Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer, locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 7 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, how fortunate we are to be here with you on this podcast. Your support means the world to each of us. G, Easter weekend is here as we record on this Good Friday, and we get to spend some of our day talking about the beautiful game. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, Scarps. How are you? Life is good, my friend. Thank you for asking. In today's show, we will be discussing the Champions League, the Europa League quarterfinal matches, Europe's Big Five, the FA Cup, and local soccer. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by previewing for each of you all the Champions League quarterfinal matches that are upcoming. Gaetano, exciting times ahead in Europe. What have you made of the Champions League so far? Uh, it's been phenomenal so far. Some uh, really, really great matchups and uh, a few more uh, phenomenal matchups coming up in the quarterfinals. Yeah, the way I see it, what's happened so far has been fantastic, but certainly the best is yet to come. To get our listeners caught up to speed, the draws for the Champions League quarterfinal matchups are set to go. It will be Benfica against Inter, Man City taking on Bayern Munich, Real Madrid to take on Chelsea, and Milan against Napoli. G of these fixtures and... I believe I know the obvious answer here, but which one is catching your attention immediately? Um, so, and I, I say this not as a City fan. I say this as a fan of the beautiful game, but it's got to be Manchester City versus Bayern Munich. Probably two of the biggest heavyweights uh, left in the competition matched up against each other. Should be absolute fireworks. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. For me, it's Man City and Bayern Munich all day long. I'm really looking forward to seeing and, and analyzing that that tie more than anything and there are some other good ties as well for sure but the the big thing in my view when it comes to the city and byron is that there are two amazing teams who are competing on pretty much all fronts uh for top honors and it's a shame at least as a neutral fan that one of them have to go out at this stage of the competition but again very interested for this tie and i think that's uh that's certainly going to be the one that most people are going to be looking at with uh, the highest level of intrigue. But let's start, Gaetano, by looking at Benfica against Inter Milan. Benfica have been flexing their muscle in this competition, and Inter have looked a good outfit defensively. Gaetano, what do you foresee happening over these two legs, and who will move on to the semifinal of this competition? I think this is probably the hardest, uh, besides City Bayern, the hardest one to pick. Um, I think they're both evenly matched up, but very different teams. So it's really a matter of whose uh, style of football is going to come out on top. I, I tend to lean Inter. I think they just have a little more star power, a little more individual quality. But I would not be surprised to see Benfica get through. 
And I'm I'm really with you in the sense that I could see either side getting through. Again, they're a little bit different in terms of how they display themselves tactically, the application, these sorts of things. I think obviously Inter is a little bit more star-studded. They have a little bit more individual quality. Uh, I just have this funny feeling that Benfica is going to find a way through. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised, again, if Inter did find a way through. Because, again, if you want to advance in these sorts of competitions, it's important to clean, uh, keep clean sheets, rather. Inter know how to do that. But I just have a funny feeling that Benfica might find a way. So you're going to take Inter there. I'm going to say Benfica. It's, uh, I think that's going to be an intriguing tie for sure. Next, it's your Manchester City guy, Tano, up against Bayern Munich, who now aim for immediate success at the appointment of Thomas Tuchel. Gaetano, we are both deeply intrigued by this tie. We just finished talking about that. I think pretty much everybody will be that's going to be watching the Champions League. Kind of a two-part question here, G. Number one, what's going to happen tactically over this tie? Because two phenomenal managers. And number two, who do you see winning it over the two legs? So I definitely, before the Nagelsmann sacking and Tuchel appointment, was a little more confident in City. Um, but Tuchel just, he seems to be like a bogey manager for Pep, just can't find a way to beat him, uh, in the biggest moments. So it's really, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. Tactically, I think Pep's going to go back, uh, the first leg against RB Leipzig, he talked about control, 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 I ended up with the one, one draw and then we blew them away in the second leg. I think he's going to kind of stick to that, uh, especially because of the quality of Bayern Munich, just all the way up and down their lineup, even on their bench. You want to? Ha- you can't give them control of the game, so City are going to have to have control. In terms of what's going to happen, I think Erling Holland is going to be the difference, and I think City will squeak it out. And when you say squeak it out, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. But I am with you. I think Manchester City is going to find a way. Though your tactical analysis there was brilliant. Uh, obviously, you have more insight to it than I do, but I can really see Thomas Tuchel playing sort of a little bit more reserved football, if you will, really sort of being compact, sitting a little bit deep. I wouldn't say a low block, but perhaps a mid block, trying to win the ball in certain areas of the pitch. I think some of the same principles that we saw Nagelsmann play where they were playing across the pitch really nicely. I think the players need that in that Bayern Munich team. I think that they will try to do it. But I have a funny feeling that City is going to find a way over the line. I wouldn't be surprised if in the second leg it goes to penalties and City find a way. But we're both going to take Manchester City there. Really excited for those two games against those two, uh, with those two massive teams. Real Madrid will play against Chelsea in the next quarterfinal. It's all eyes on the Champions League for both of these clubs as things domestically really have not gone to plan this year. Gatano, Frank Lampard was just appointed caretaker manager of Chelsea after Graham Potter has been sacked. Real Madrid, this is their competition, at least so it seems. So many things going on here. We could spend days talking about this one, and we never probably thought we would. But who's going to get through between these two teams? So uh, just, I'm going to start this off by saying I don't think the change of manager affects uh any of my, my thoughts here, uh, I still would have had Real Madrid going through regardless of who's in charge of Chelsea. Right. Um, I do think it's going to get a little uglier with Frank Lampard in charge. Uh, he's just not that high of quality of a manager. I don't think he has that experience tactically. I don't think he's you know, prepared to play against Real Madrid in you know what I've said multiple times. I was like, this is Real Madrid's competition. This is their bread and butter. They just win the Champions League. So I think uh, it's going to get real ugly for Chelsea and Madrid are going to go through comfortably. 
Yeah, I uh, I also agree that Madrid are going to go through. But one thing I can definitely say about Chelsea now that Lampard's going to be there, I know for certain, I know for certain that each and every one of those players are going to give everything for him because of everything that he's given to the club. I think that's going to be very clear. I think that there's sort of a sort of spoiled mentality at Chelsea, at least right now with some of the players that they feel almost a sense of entitlement where, you know, when Graham Potter got sacked, a lot of them were making jokes and a lot of people were liking certain posts and things like this. As a player, even if I dislike the coach, I would never do that because it's humiliating and it's embarrassing. I just think Real Madrid are just the far superior side, like you said, Ancelotti versus Lampard from a tactics point of view, from an, uh, a point of view of just having experience as a coach. It's not even close. And uh, I think player for player, Real Madrid is still better. So I'm also taking Real Madrid. How ugly it gets, I'm not sure, but I don't think it's going to be a particularly close tie. Finally, it's two Italian giants going at it in the last quarterfinal. Serie A champions Milan take on league leaders Napoli. Gee, this tie surely has pride written all over it. But who's going to come out on the other side as the victor over two legs? Yeah, I think this I think this tie is going to be explosive. There's going to be some real bad blood. Um, and it's going to get really interesting. I'm going to lean Napoli uh, as long as they can keep their domestic form going. I don't see why they won't. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really close one. And as much as I like Milan as a team, I think they're really great. Uh, and they're doing having a great season. I just think Napoli just have that edge. Yeah, and the, the edge in which you feel Napoli have, I also share the same feeling. I think Napoli will just edge it over Milan. I think this is going to be a tight one. It's not going to be a case of, you know, Napoli getting up 3-0 and then just seeing the game out. I don't see any of that happening. I do anticipate that it will be incredibly low scoring. I think Milan will play resolute. I think Napoli will find ways to try and break them down. But this is probably going to be a case of maybe by the time the second leg is done, we're looking at things as being like a 2-1, if you will. But I do think that Napoli will, will win it. And uh, I'm really also looking forward to this tie because, again, it's for pride, but it's also to get into the semifinals of this great competition. So, Gaetano, to review our picks, you have Inter, Manchester City, Real Madrid, and Napoli. I have Benfica, Manchester City, Real Madrid, and Napoli. So the only place where we differ is in the Inter-Benfica tie. So we'll definitely see what happens there. Really looking forward to these Champions League matches, uh, Champions League uh, quarterfinal matches, rather, as I know you are as well. A reminder to our listeners that matches for the quarterfinals of the Champions League commence on April 11th. The second leg of games will finish on April 19th. Gee, let's jump over to the Europa League, where that competition is set to have their quarterfinals take place here in the upcoming week as well. We talked about this last show, G. Once you get to this sort of stage of the Europa League, the quality really begins to heighten. How much are you looking forward to these uh, knockout games here now that we're in the quarterfinals? I'm really looking forward to it. There's uh, more kind of big teams in it than usual, which is always great. A lot more quality, uh, better players. So I think uh, some of these matchups are going to be equally uh, enthralling as the Champions League matchups. I agree. And again, at this stage of the competition, you really come to see some some good sides. But like you said, of the eight teams remaining, probably you'd probably say five to six of them are are big, big, you know, teams, big clubs who have really good players. So this is this is going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it for sure. Uh, The quarterfinal matchups in the Europa League. Uh, that are taking place will be between Feyenoord and Roma, Juventus and Sporting, Man United and Sevilla, and finally Leverkusen and St. Gilles. 
G, where are your eyes immediately drawn to with uh, with these ties here? Uh, so it's actually between two ties, the Juventus Sporting and the United and Sevilla ties. Uh, they just look absolutely incredible. I think there's going to be some great football played there. And it's a little hard to pick who's actually going to win those ones. So should be great. Yeah, I agree. It is difficult to pick. And the parity, of course, in the Europa League is fantastic. But in my opinion, there's two things for me on this one, G. The one tie that I'm really looking most forward to is Juventus and Sporting. And the reason why is because, obviously, with the drama surrounding Juve all season, uh, that's, I find, to be very interesting now that they're at this stage of the competition. And as well, from a sporting perspective, they looked really good against Arsenal in the round of 16. So I'm interested to see how they get on. But the other thing that, I, that I'm seeing is just how well the Italian teams are doing in Europe. You got three teams in the Champions League. You got two teams in the Europa League. The Italian sides have been proven to be strong sides in this competition. And I think this year that really bodes well for, uh, for all five teams that are left in those respective competitions. So those are the things that I'm looking at right now. But certainly that Juve sporting tie is going uh, to be interesting for sure. Gee, we're going to start by examining Feyenoord and Roma. Feyenoord have been having somewhat of a magical run uh, at this, if you want to stretch it that far. Roma, by all accounts, have been really impressive as well. Who's winning it over two legs, G? Uh, I'm going to take Roma. I think uh, Jose Mourinho's experience and knowledge is going to give them that boost they need. I think they are a slightly better squad uh, regardless. But with uh, Jose on the touchline, you have to have him going through. Have to have them going through, and I'm totally with you, man, 100%. It's going to be Roma for me as well. Uh, I think, again, it'll be a, a case of first leg, maybe, you know, win the game 1-2-0. Second leg, be super resolute and just uh, just do what you got to do to get over the line. So we're both taking Roma there. Juventus and Sporting will meet up in the quarterfinals as well. Gee, plenty of quality on display from both of these teams, but who will be victorious? Uh, I'm going to say Sporting. I think they were really impressive against Arsenal. Uh, all season have not been impressed with Juventus. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Sporting. Yeah, and you know what? You take a look back one, two, five, ten years beforehand, you'd never say such a thing. You'd never no. count Juventus out so quickly. But funny enough, I'm also taking Sporting. What I saw against Arsenal over the two legs, for me, was super impressive uh, from Sporting. And I can't lie, when Arsenal got matched up with them in the round of 16, I thought to myself, okay, I'll take that. And um, they've shown themselves to be a fantastic side. Uh, I think that it's going to be a difficult tie for them, but I could see Sporting get, getting over the line. I think another difficult task for them will set them up really well for the semifinal. So I'm taking Sporting too. Man United and Sevilla will see one another in the quarterfinals of this competition. Gaetano, these two teams have largely been having very different seasons, but that won't matter here all that much. Who's winning it? Um, so I'm going to take Sevilla, not because I'm a City fan and don't like United, but I think... Uh, they're just built for this competition. They won it so many times uh, from the owners, the managers, the players. They know this competition. They know what they're doing. And I think they've just got, not that they've got a, a lot of quality, but the way their quality plays is just, uh, just fantastic. And I'm going to take them uh, over United. Fair show. And I think that's definitely a reasonable thing to, to say uh, and predict as well. And I think if history has anything to do with it, then that certainly could be the case. I am going to go with Manchester United. I think that they'll see themselves through to the semifinal. Uh, right now, they're, they're kind of a little bit up and down since coming back from the international break, even a little bit beforehand, so it seemed. But uh, I just have this feeling that um, Ten Hag will set up his team in such a way that they're really going to go for it. 
And, uh, you know, not to say that top four in the Premier League's locked for them already, because it certainly isn't, which we'll talk about later. But I do have a feeling that they'll get through. So there's our first disagreement. It'll be a, a good tie for sure. Really looking forward to it. Finally, it's Leverkusen taking on Cinderella story, Union St. Gilouise. Gaetano for Union St. Gilouise, not many, if any, expect them to get to this stage of the competition. In fairness, an argument could be made about Leverkusen having similar doubts from the wider footballing public. But of these two teams, who do you think will move on? This is a tough one because I do think Bayer Leverkusen is a better team, but I've also really enjoyed uh, Union St. Gilles and their Cinderella run here. And they've played some really good football in Europe along the way. So I'm a little torn, but I'm going to lean Bayer Leverkusen. I think their just individual quality is going to get them over the line. I think so too. And for me, it's it's where the Cinderella story sort of ends for Union St. Louis. So I'm also taking Leverkusen in that individual quality, as you mentioned, probably in terms of uh, in terms of togetherness and, and uniformity as a team, probably just a little bit better. So I think uh, I think that they will get over the line too. So I'm taking Leverkusen just the same. To review our picks, Gaetano, you've got Roma, Sporting, Sevilla, Leverkusen. I'm taking Roma. Sporting, Man United, and Leverkusen. So again, the only point where we differ is just in one single match uh, with the Sevilla-Man United tie. So that'll be interesting to see. Regardless, again, at this stage of the competition with the Europa League, anything can happen. We know that, and the quality certainly heightens all the more. A reminder to our listeners that the first leg of the Europa League's quarterfinal matchups will begin on April 13th, and they will wrap up on April 20th. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Folks, it's time that we now look at Europe's Big Five. All the excitement and drama that you'd like has continued to transpire over the course of these past weeks. Gatano, how awesome has it been for all of these leagues so far? Uh, it's been great. Uh, the quality on display across Europe, not e- not even just including the Big Five, even like lower leagues, has been phenomenal. It's been a great season. Really looking forward to the conclusion. Definitely. And we are sort of entering, not the dog days, if you will, but as uh, Sir Alex Ferguson used to, to call it, squeaky bum time. Uh, so those <laughs> kind of like final 10 games of the season, you know, you start to see everything being put on display and every everybody throwing uh, everything at it. So definitely good times ahead in all of these leagues. And like you said, some of the lower divisions as well have been interesting. You, you tend to keep up from time to time, but uh, yeah, this has been great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to how the season's uh, come to a close. Let's get things started by looking at the English Premier League. Arsenal still sits atop of the table with 72 points. Man City are in second with 64 points, but they do have a game in hand. Newcastle, who are on excellent form, have 53 points and they are in third place. Man United in fourth are equal on points with Newcastle, but they have a lesser goal difference. Tottenham, Brighton, Aston Villa, Liverpool, and Brentford are all vying for European places. Gatano, the top of the table is as interesting as ever. What can you make of things right now? Uh, it's getting intense, Scarps. Uh, yeah, it's the run-in is going to be fun. These last uh, eight or ten games for City, nine games for Arsenal. Uh, it's going to get intense. You've got a big one coming up this weekend. Liverpool, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, and this is for me anyways, in the last couple of years, like this is Pep's bread and butter, these last kind of 10 games this season, the title race. Uh, and I've seen City be a lot more out of the title race and still win it. So oh, I got, I'm in good spirits. I'm uh, excited. It should be real fun. 
Yeah, and you've got every reason to be in good spirits because, I mean, as Arsenal fans, we've been looking over our shoulder the entire season. I do mean the entire season. We started the season well, and it was a case of, okay, well, this is a great way to start the season. It's a nice positive you know, way to start and get things going on the front foot. And then it, time went along and it was a case of, okay, well, we're actually starting to, to build something here. And maybe this process that everyone's been talking to us about for years and years is now coming to fruition. And all the while, we've been continually just looking over our shoulders because we know that that blue shark is, has kind of been there and will be there and never tends to go away. So you're looking at every game as sort of a cup final, at least from an Arsenal perspective, we are. Uh, I know Manchester City are still involved in different cup competitions, so it's a little bit different. But uh, yeah, the, the run for Arsenal upcoming, uh, the run of games they have is going to be very difficult. Manchester City have a lot of things going on with FA Cup, Champions League, uh, so it's not going to be easy for them either. But uh, I think it's going to be an, a fascinating end to the season. And I think it's going to be, everyone knows it's going to be close, but I have a funny feeling that it's going to be a lot closer than people realize. And uh I just kind of wanted your opinion on this one, G. Obviously, Arsenal going to Anfield this weekend. Very difficult test Sunday morning, 11.30 kickoff, Eastern time, that is. If Arsenal can win that, let's say they can win that, do you think that sort of hurts City in any way, or do you think that they're still just going to be right there? I don't think it hurts City. I think it definitely boosts Arsenal for sure. Um because win or lose, City still have to win all of their games. We still have ground to catch up. I think you guys can afford to, I think, drop about six or seven points before uh, City catch up. So it's not, whatever the result is, it doesn't really affect what City has to do. City still has to use win. So I don't think it affects it too, too much. Uh, and I also don't expect uh, Liverpool to get a result off you guys. They've been awful this season. So, yeah, I think, uh, like you said, every game's a cup final uh, for City as well, um, including our games in, in our cup competitions. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's detrimental. And I still think the biggest game is the City-Arsenal game coming up. To me, that still is the title decider. Right. Yeah, I I'm with you for the most part there, I have to say, because that game is going to be a, a massive deciding point. I, I look at the way in which Arsenal have gone to Anfield down the years hasn't been a happy experience a lot of the times. So I wouldn't be surprised if we went there this weekend, not to say that that Arsenal would lose, but I could see a draw happening and I could see things maybe starting to tip a little bit and a little bit more pressure being put on Arsenal. I hope they can go there and get the three points, but Anfield, regardless of form, always a very difficult place to go to. So we'll definitely see what happens. It's, it is kind of nice now that it is very clear cut that we're just really focusing on two teams at the top of the table. Nobody else really has a chance. Everyone else just kind of vying for spots three and four, but definitely going to be an exciting title race. And uh, again, the, the irony in it that, you know, we're both fans of these two teams and that we're battling at the top on the show together. It's uh, it's fantastic. The relegation battle has continued to fascinate us as well. Right now, the bottom three is comprised of Southampton, Leicester City, and Bournemouth. Just outside of the drop zone are Nottingham Forest, Everton, West Ham, Wolves, Leeds, and Crystal Palace. And so it's a mouthful. It's a lot of teams. Gee, the bottom of the table has shifted, twisted, and turned, as we expected that it would. We did say in, in our previous shows that we expected things to change a little bit. But do you think that this sort of uncertainty is going to continue to the end of the season with, uh, with the relegation battle? Uh, I think unless a couple teams can kind of get sorted out, and I'd expect one or two of them to at least uh, get some sort of form going. Uh, yeah, I think it's still going to be probably a six or seven team 
you know, race to the bottom here. Um, really, other than Southampton, I don't, I couldn't predict anything else. Yeah, but they, they Every, are just awful. Yeah, they are, and, and you know what? That's the only one where I look at now, where I think to myself, not that they don't have a chance of survival, because at this point, anybody who's in the relegation battle, because of how close it is, has a chance. But for me, it's they're the one team where I think, okay, you're one of the three teams that's going to go down. Honest to God, G, and and it makes me kind of, it's a good thing that football is a game of opinions because my opinion on the relegation battle changes every week. Every single week, (laughs) I think to myself, okay, yeah, no, they'll be safe and they're going to go down. It's like, okay, never mind. They're going down and they're going to be safe. Like, Leicester City right now, I think they're in shambles. Oh, and like sacking Rogers. I don't know. Have they brought anyone in yet? I don't remember. Not that I saw. Yeah. Not that I saw. And And, I mean, there are some good managers available, but... Who wants to take this Leicester job with eight games left, probably going to the championship, uh, you know, an aging squad. So it's not looking good for them. Not looking good for them. And then uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, to my knowledge, just sacked their manager as well. Yep. Uh, so that's, that's by the way, and, and we don't have it planned in this show, folks, but I guess we can bring it up now because it is significant, at least in my opinion. I always empathize because I coach, I coach year round pretty much in the sport of soccer, of course, but. 13 managers in the Premier League have been sacked. And just for context, there's 20 teams. So over half of the league's managers have been fired. Like, I don't know if that, like, bodes what, like, West Ham have stuck to their guns. They're, like, pretty much the only team in the relegation battle that have. Like, I don't know, G, like, what are your opinions on that? Because this this relegation zone, like you said, you you pretty much summarized it months ago really well. It's a bunch of teams who are playing really bad football. But is it really the manager's fault? Um... I think it depends on some of the situations. I think some of the, like a team like Leicester, they've done terrible business at like the at the ownership level uh, right. for the last few years. So it's no surprise that they've ended up in this position. Same as Everton. West Ham have been like 50-50 there. Um, so teams like them, like, yeah, it's, that's not really the manager's fault. You could have Pep in there. You could have, you know, Jose, whoever you want in there. I don't think it changes uh, when the ownership is making terrible decisions. But I do think some of the teams like Southampton just had a terrible summer in terms of bringing in players. The manager's not getting the best out of the players he does have. They do have some really good Premier League quality players, and they shouldn't be as terrible as they are. Um, so I think it's a bit 50-50. It really depends on the the club. I agree. And, and you said uh, an interesting thing in there with uh, how you said that you could have Pep, you could have whoever you want in there. It's not going to make a difference. The year of the Centurion squad with Manchester City when they got the 100 points, somebody asked in an interview, and and I'm only paraphrasing because I can't exactly remember, they asked Pep, well, would you be able to do this if you were with a team in the relegation zone? And he's like, no. He goes, it doesn't matter if I'm there. He goes, wouldn't be able to. He goes, the team would play different. They would play the way I'd want them to play, but I couldn't save a team that was in this much trouble. So like you said, it it doesn't really matter who is there necessarily. It could be a bit 50-50. It could be something down to ownership. It could be the board. It could be on part of the players, which at least in my opinion, I think it is. But we're going to see now over the next 9, 10, 11 games, however much is left for each of those teams, how much things change. Because every week or every other week when we record, there's going to be changes in the bottom three. There's going to be changes to the relegation zone and in the relegation battle. So really hoping that uh, everyone that watches our show can stick and keep up with it because it is difficult to follow. At least the top of the table now is a little bit more simplified. Moving over to Italy's Serie A, Napoli continued to sit pretty at the top of the table with 71 points with just 10 games remaining. 
In second, it's Lazio with 55 points. Milan are in third with 51 points. Inter have fourth position with 50 points. The likes of Roma, Atalanta, and Juventus are on the outside of the top four looking in. Gee, we know it's Napoli sooner rather than later. It's really a matter of what happens with the rest of the top four. Just how competitive will those spots become in due time? I think it's going to get pretty hectic. Only seven points separating uh, second and sixth. And, you know, like we've talked about in Europe anyways, like the Italian team is playing really well. So I expect that form to kind of be the same. And I expect some really, really good matches. And I think it's going to be a super tight race. I could not predict the top four right now. For Other than Napoli winning, couldn't predict anything. Yeah, and I'm with you for the most part there. We know the foregone conclusion with Napoli based on the season that they're having, but things are going to get, as you said, very hectic in there because uh, with how close everything is, it's going to be a battle right till the end. And it's going to be interesting to see. We never really talked about it, but the squad rotation, like what's going to happen in Italy? Like how much do managers rotate their teams? Or if it's this a point in the season now, hey, fellas, there's no more rotation. We're sticking with our best guys who we feel like are going to win. And we are just going to hope everyone stays healthy. I think probably that's what's going to happen. I think because now they're thinking to themselves, well, if we don't win Europa, if we don't win champions, we need top four to get back into Champions League football. And I think it's going to be an interesting race till the end of the season, apart from Napoli. In La Liga, Barcelona inch ever closer to the title, still with some work to do. They have 71 points at the top. Real Madrid are relatively comfortable in second with 59 points. Atletico are in third and they have 54 points and they are in sensational form at the minute. Real Sociedad round out the top four with 48 points. Gee, apart from your thoughts on La Liga, we haven't said this yet, but can we say officially now that Barca have one hand on the title? Oh, for sure. I think at this point, uh, it would be, I'd have to be a monumental collapse for them to not uh, win the league. Uh, yeah, Real Madrid has been super disappointing domestically this year. So, uh, yeah, I would say for sure Barca at least one hand on the title. Yeah, I'm going to definitely say that they have uh, one hand on the trophy for sure. And as we talked about earlier, for Real Madrid, it's got to be all eyes on the Champions League. For Real Madrid, uh, it's not going to happen domestically, at least in my opinion. I'm pretty sure that they know that. So I think that their focus is elsewhere. They're going to get top four football in Spain. That's very clear. So they need to come away with uh, a trophy this season. And for them to win the Champions League, that's that's no small token. So we'll definitely take that. Germany's Bundesliga have seen Bayern return to the top of the table with 55 points. Dortmund drop into second with 53 points. Union Berlin still hold third with 51 points. It's SC Freiburg in fourth with 47 points. Gee, how many changes at the top of the table can we foresee in the final stages of the season? And just as a reminder to our listeners, the Bundesliga is a little bit shorter than the other leagues that we've just previously talked about. They only play 34 games as opposed to 38. So it's a, it's going to end a little bit quicker. But how many changes do you think we'll see, G? We could see a couple. Uh, there's still uh, a lot of teams in the top four and top six that have to play each other uh, left in this season. So that could... Uh, definitely make things way more interesting actually i think all of the top four are playing against each other in the next match week which is nuts um so we could see some real shifts there uh i think it's about as unpredictable as the premier league's relegation battle at this point i think anyone can still win this title um obviously uh, munich are the favorites uh with tuchel in there as well i think they probably should win the league but i would not be surprised to see uh well i would be surprised to see berlin win it i would not be surprised to see Dortmund win it (laughs) 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund did win it. I, I don't think that they will, if I'm honest, Gaetano. I think Bayern's going to do it, and I think it's going to be a case of, and I, I think it's going to look ridiculous when it does happen. I think Bayern's going to say, see, it's a good thing that we brought in Tuchel and we got rid of Nagelsmann. But if Nagelsmann was there, I think that they still would have won it. That, yeah. that was my prediction for the beginning of the season anyways. And if Bayern crashed out of the Champions League now against your Manchester City, I think... Not to say that it's going to look foolish, because anytime you appoint Thomas Tuchel, you're not foolish for doing that. He's a great manager, but I I don't think that it's going to work out for them there. I think that it will work out for them in uh, in the Bundesliga. But like I said, I always thought it was going to work out for them anyways. So time will tell there. I do foresee a couple of changes continuing to happen, but by uh, game week 34 should be Bayern's, at least in my opinion. And in France's Ligue 1, things have gotten somewhat interesting. PSG have dropped their last two league games, which has narrowed the gap at the top to just six points. PSG have 66 points, but behind them are Lens and Marseille, who are equal on 60 points. Monaco in fourth, they have 57 points. Gee, it's probably not something PSG need to be too worried about, but can this battle at the top remain competitive until the end of the season, or is there going to be a turning point soon? Uh, I really hope it does. Uh... I think most leagues are better when there's a an actual title race instead of one team running away with it. Um, and really, PSG kind of need to wrap this up considering they're out of Europe in the round of 16. Right. Uh, I believe they've been knocked out one of their domestic cups as well. So, like, they kind of need to win Liga right now. Uh, I really can't say if they're going to hold on to it or not. I think it could really go either way. They're a really volatile squad. Uh, so I think they could they could go on a run of 10 games unbeaten and walk the league, or they could lose, you know, four or five of their last 10 and lose it. I really could not tell you. Yep. And I agree with you. This is not a case of uh, this is not a case of, of Napoli in Italy where they have a hand on the trophy or Barca in Spain having a hand on the trophy. We don't necessarily know yet because PSG have work to do. But like you said, this is a volatile squad. I'll tell you what else. Volatile fan base. I think the way that they're treating Messi is disgusting. Like, I, I don't oh. get it. How how could you boo him? How could you say these hurtful things to him? It's not it's not his fault. Like, you know, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know if you can make any sense of it. I mean, like, I've seen Messi score hat-tricks against City, and I still couldn't boo him. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, he's the greatest of all time. Just, and PSG have had so many issues for like this is like decades worth of issues in terms right. of like squad building and how that team is put together that like Messi is never he was never going to solve their issues with they could you name a, like a real defensive midfielder PSG have had in the past like decade not one or that like springs to mind like proper like two proper fullbacks at the same time it seems like they have like a left back and a makeshift right back or a right back and a makeshift left back like there's so many issues you know with how that team is built that Messi was never going to solve. And all these issues are now, you know, compounding. And I just don't understand booing Messi. That's, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And and it's not, it's unfortunate that PSG's problems have been thrown onto Messi, but it's really not Messi's problem. He, he's there, obviously, for the sake of himself, because he's getting paid to play football, but he's there to help the, the club improve. Didn't work out for them in the Champions League. But let's say, for example, they were matched up with somebody else. The story and the script would be different because maybe they would have gone through. But they had Bayern Munich, which was a very difficult opponent who played very well. So 
like you said, it's probably a little bit of, of a mess in terms of how the team continues to be assembled, which is why I just don't trust them apart from in-league. Or I still think PSG is going to win the league. I, I, I believe that, but I don't think what Messi's uh, sort of endured, I think, is fair. I think it's far from fair. And uh, maybe he'll go to Saudi Arabia like Ronaldo. Who knows? I mean, I'd love to see him in MLS. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I'd be uh, I'd be getting tickets instantaneously. <laughs> I don't I don't think he'd like our winters though. I don't think he'd be signing for TFC anytime soon. <laughs> no, I shouldn't think so. I think even the road trips to go to cold places would probably be a little bit miserable. <laughs> Spent your whole life in Argentina, Spain, now in France. Uh, it'd be a difficult uh, difficult place to live. That's for sure. Catano, it's the FA Cup that has continued to be an ongoing treat for us here and everywhere for that matter. It's time for the semifinals in this amazing cup competition, and we are going to highlight both of those matches here and now. To review what we picked in the quarterfinals, Gaetano, your pride ended up getting in the way of you going four for four on your picks. Manchester United did end up winning. I did get all four of my picks correct, as I did select Manchester United. But before we jump into the preview of the semifinals, what have your thoughts been on this FA Cup, my friend? I love the like you know the the magic of the FA Cup. Uh, you know, having Sheffield United and Brighton both in semifinals is great. Uh, it's super unpredictable competition. Uh, I think it's been really good this year. Yeah, I agree. And uh, every single year, uh, I always look forward to the FA Cup. Really like it. And again, you just don't know what's going to happen. Anybody could win it, and you love those little stories that come along the way. The biggest, obviously, this time around is, is Sheffield, but for Brighton too, really a big deal. Gatano, it is your Manchester City who will play against championship side Sheffield United in the first semifinal. For me, I find it to be interesting as I don't necessarily think it's as cut and dry as people might think it is. That being said, we all have our opinions and none right now matters more than yours because you are Manchester City through and through. What do you think is going to happen in this match and who will win and book their spot in the final? So this is a... A real, it's not that it's a tough one. I do think City will win. I'll at least get that out of the way. Uh, but I, I'm super disappointed that uh, two City loanies, James McAtee and Tommy Doyle, won't be eligible to play in that game. That's like heartbreaking. I, they are super impressive young players. Uh, you know, I do believe at least one of them, James McAtee for sure, uh, will be part of the City first team in the future. And I was really looking forward to seeing him play, you know, against City. You know, really, it was an opportunity for them to prove themselves to Pep as well. Uh, it's disappointing that it's it's not even uh, typically that's something in uh, like in the contracts for loans like you can't play against the uh, host team, but apparently this is like an FA rule uh, right. that in the FA Cup they can't play, uh, so that was really upsetting. I think that's a big blow for them. I think McAtee's probably been one of their best players this season, and I don't think they will be able to. Uh, I think if they had them in the squad, there was a chance. Without them in the squad, I, I think they're just hopeless, really. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it for me. I always thought Manchester City would win regardless of, of who was in or out just because I think they're a far superior squad. But now that you have two of, of your better players and two players in this competition, because I think Doyle scored, scored the winner um, yep. in the quarter. So I think when you have two players out like that, not that you don't stand a chance, like Sheffield still have a chance. It's not cut and dry, but I still think Manchester City will win. And uh, j just to talk about that for, for a moment there, G, I, I believe the term is cup-tied. Uh, yes, that's the one I was looking for. Yeah, cup tied. So basically, yeah, if, if you're loaned out to another team and you end up seeing that team in that competition, you can't play. I think the year, the COVID year, so 2020, when Arsenal played Chelsea in the FA Cup final, when there was nobody at Wembley, I can't remember who it was, 
but there was a player who was just signed for Chelsea who was uh, who was who was cup tied and couldn't play. And I thought to myself, oh, thank God for that. And Arsenal did end up winning. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting rule, and I don't know how that applies across Europe and other leagues and things like this. But I think, like you said, it just might be an FA rule, which. Um, yeah, it's interesting, but unfortunate for Sheffield because now they're probably thinking to themselves, uh, you know, we got two of our better players out. We could certainly use them in this game, but we're both going to take City, and I think most people will. It's the other side of Manchester, Manchester United, that is, who will play against Brighton in the second semifinal of this competition. Gee, regardless of feeling, both teams have earned their way here one way or another, but who will earn their way to the FA Cup final? So this is going to be a little turn from what you would normally hear from me, where I would just go, not United. Um, I really, I really, really like Brighton. I think they're good. And I wouldn't be surprised if they beat United and got to the final here. Uh, but I'm going to take United just because I'd love to see uh, a City United FA Cup final. That would just be box office. And the bragging rights, if if we were to beat them, would be just unreal. So I'm going to pick United. <laughs> The more interesting matchup, ideally, would be Manchester United, Manchester City. I'm going to, and I can't believe we're switching roles on this. We never do. (laughs) I have to take Brighton. I think that they're going to win. I just feel like, you know, when when Graham Potter left this season, I thought to myself, okay, you don't really, or not too many people would turn down a big job like Chelsea. I actually never felt that it was a great fit for Graham Potter, kind of like, that, you know, I saw it. I was like, oh, that's great for him. But is it great for him? I don't know. They've been playing really good this season, Brighton, regardless. They've still got chances at European football, these sorts of things. I think that Brighton's going to beat Manchester United. I don't know how. I don't know how. At what length it's going to take for them to win. I think Brighton's going to win. We've totally switched roles here. Now, again, like you said, box office, it would be unbelievable. City United at Wembley would be amazing. I want to see that. But I think Brighton's going to win. And if they do, good for them because I respect that club. Great club. And they have a lot of good players that I really enjoy seeing week in, week out in the Premier League. So you're going to take City and United in the final. I'm going to take City as well, but I'm going to take Brighton. We're going to see what happens, folks. A reminder to you all that the semifinal action of the FA Cup will take place on April 22nd. Both games are going to kick off at 10 a.m. Eastern time on your local television sports network. And finally. It's time for a local soccer update. Indoor soccer here in Sault Ste. Marie is approaching the final weeks. Youth have officially wrapped up this past week right before the Easter holiday. Gatano, how awesome for our youth to be able to play an entire season uninterrupted for the first time in, if you can believe it, three years. Yeah, um, I mean, I, it's not just youth. Everyone's been able to play all the way through, and it's just been great. Uh, it's It feels like we're finally getting back to normal, uh, which is great. And these kids who maybe didn't get a chance to play like normal uh, seasons, finally getting a chance to, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and we were actually talking last night. We were uh, we were coaching a session. We had a practice, and uh, my coaching staff and I were talking. We were saying to ourselves, how much have like these kids technically missed? And if you really think back three years in any context of life, whether you're a kid, if you're uh, young to middle age like us, if you're older, three years is a lot of time because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in life. So I think three years is a lot. The fact now that everything's sort of getting back to normal, I think is a brilliant, brilliant thing. And even though kids might have a little catching up to do, I don't think it'll be before long. I think it's great now that things are back and our youth certainly deserve it. But like you alluded to, we all do. 
On the men's side of things, Division One and Two are nearing the end as D1 playoff finals go Wednesday, April 12th, and D2 playoff finals go Tuesday, April 18th. Gaetano, I'll be playing in the cup final on April 12th, so the next Wednesday, it's less than a, a week today. It's about five days away. And you are nearing closer and closer to that cup final on April 18th. I believe you got one game left to go before then. Your thoughts on how the playoffs have transpired thus far? Yeah, well, so it's weird for us because it's it's a semifinal if we win and it's a quarterfinal if we lose because it's double elimination. Um, hopefully it's a semifinal for us on Tuesday. Uh, FC Barcelona, great uh, regular season, hoping to cap it off with a playoff title. It would be my first, which could be great. Um, yeah, I think the playoffs have been really good. Uh, super unpredictable, like everything. Uh, yeah. We've seen some matchups that have not gone ex- as expected. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been really good. How about uh, D1? Uh, D1 has been good. We had uh, our, and it's the same sort of format with the double elimination. So we had our, our uh, quarterfinal. Uh, we won that uh, about a week ago. And then this past Monday, we had our, our semifinal. We won that. So now we're into the cup final on Wednesday. The team that we beat in the semifinal, we see now again in the final. So it's kind of a rematch of sorts, but I'm in the exact same position as you. Because it's double elimination, because we haven't lost a game yet, let's say we lose Wednesday. We get another crack at it. Now, we've been talking as a team. I've said it time and time again because of how long this season is. Let's let Wednesday be the last game. (laughs) Let's not let's not continue this on. We this will be game number 35. I played 33. I'll be playing 33 out of those 35 games. It's been a really long season and everyone kind of shares the same sentiment. We want it to, to, to be over then and to just celebrate that victory, hopefully. But we can't look past, obviously, who we have in front of us. It's going to be a difficult game. A lot of young talent uh, on the Sioux College side. Uh, so they're going to be very good. They're going to be hungry, and we need to be ready for that. For your semifinal on Tuesday, actually, I'm in charge of it. I'm refing. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I don't know what's going to happen come time for the final. I don't know if I'm going to get uh, – I don't know if I'm going to be assigned to that game. But I do have those two semifinals. Again, the double elimination. Yeah. But I do have those games on Tuesday. So I'll be seeing you there. And I'm really looking forward to refereeing those two games because, um, yeah, probably by all accounts, probably the four best teams in the league. Would you agree? Uh, I would think so. I think uh, the four or five spot, you could uh, you could make some arguments for a couple of the teams, but I would I would probably say it's the best four. Yeah, no, it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. And yeah, it's been a long season, but obviously now that things are slowly coming to an end, um, everybody is ready to, to give everything. And that's what it really is all about. And finally, it's the women division uh, who is getting ready to kickstart their playoffs in a week's time. Their season uh, actually just finished, I believe, this past Sunday. So they're getting ready to gear up next Sunday for their playoffs. So they're a little bit behind uh, in terms of everybody else. But that was obviously intentionally done with the scheduling because they only play once a week. So, yeah, they're, they're getting ready to start. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to all the ladies that are playing. I know that you're still a little bit involved there with Little Caesars. And um, I'm wishing the best for, for them for sure. Men's soccer playoff schedules can be found at www.mikepucci.wixsite. That's W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com backslash S-F-C-S-I-T-E. Women's soccer can be found on Facebook using the search bar for women's soccer in Sault Ste. Marie. And lastly, as mentioned in our last show, high school soccer is officially underway here in the Sioux. The league schedule has officially been released with games set to begin on Monday, April 24th. All divisions, which include junior boys, junior girls, senior boys, and senior girls will be fully functioning 
with the season less than three weeks away. Stay locked into full-time and local sports network, Sioux Sports, for all high school soccer updates. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we wrap up today's show, we want to say very simply, thank you for spending some time with us talking about the beautiful game. Gee, this was nothing short of a pleasure. Thank you very much, sir. Scarfs, I couldn't have thought of a better way to uh, spend my Friday morning with you. Perfect. Yep, agreed. This is a brilliant way to spend a good Friday morning. Everything's shut down. Everything's closed. It's a gorgeous day outside. This is uh, this has been a great start to the day for sure. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of April 24th, 2023. In that show, we will discuss Champions League and Europa League outcomes of the quarterfinals, Europe's Big Five, the FA Cup, the MLS, local soccer, and all the latest in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Happy Easter to you all. Best always.